2: Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Chad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, good. Good, Chad. I'm doing well. Well, we want to say, first of all, thank you everybody out there for joining us for this episode. Hope that you don't have a stomach ache because we're recording this the night after Halloween. This will come out the week after Halloween. So, hope you all are doing okay. Watch the Empty Calories. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go. As always, to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand.com, use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C Corners, capital PM Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out, my uh, other shout-out, I'm going to say that uh, the folks in Eastern Kentucky could still really use your help. Um, the shiny is kind of off that particular disaster, but there's just – People aren't – there weren't a lot of resources to start with, and now people aren't sending any there. So if you would like to help some good folks who could use the help, I'm going to refer you to AppleShop, dot org as your starting place. Apple Shop's a good place, does good work for good people. And with that out of the way, we're going to pass the ball over to Matt. Uh, our shout-out goes to uh, Orlando Cologne. the same
3: as all, every week. Um Orlando wants you to hopefully have a good uh, Dio de los Muertos because we're ah. recording it on November 1st, uh, and if you don't celebrate that, because that's more of like a Mexican holiday, uh, although they do it, uh, they do it in San Antonio, where my wife is from, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of like been taking over because you, if you go in like Target nowadays, I, I I'm I see it at Target here in Washington D.C. area, you'll see a bunch of like the the yeah. dia de los Muertos decorations the sugar that, skulls and such yeah, it's like the sugar skulls yeah um i think other wow, calabazas or maybe that's pumpkins i forget my spanish uh, um uh it's also known as all saints day uh that's more of a catholic thing uh, it's mm-hmm. like a, well. a day holy day of, of obligation uh but it's fun uh and i hope everyone had a great halloween my wife and i actually, actually like celebrated halloween we start we um we tried to watch some horror movies as i i, I think i've explained it before like we try to watch like a certain metaphor movies every year
1: mm-hmm. and
3: we actually did it like for the skin of our teeth we did it because we were like on vacation for like a week and we were not able to watch anything but we we got the, the movies done one of them being uh the last halloween which is not good and then we the, our last the last one heard the last one we the last movies we watched uh was rosemary's baby yeah. which I am absolutely aghast and shocked that people view this as one of the best horror movies of all it's time. It's not good. Garbage. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible.
0: Too, it's too... It tries to, like, be slow, but it's, like, it's good for about 40 minutes, then you're just kind of like, you know, this movie can just...
3: It's like a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and it's like, why? Yeah. It's not good. This could have been wrapped up in, like, 90 minutes. It's not good. Uh, But and we I, also watched... I think The
0: Exorcist generally... It's not the same concept, but The Exorcist is better executed in, like, that kind of idea.
3: That's fair. Uh, two of the other movies we watched were the uh, two of the three uh, Holy Mother Trilogy from Dario Argento, uh, Suspiria, and Inferno. How are those? Okay. Those are actually... Okay, so they're, Suspiria is actually good. It's just very, like, dated and very european like i when i watched him like mm, this is a very european movie because it's like it's like 1977 i think mm-hmm. italian and then the other one is inferno is uh i mean it's also done in, in italy but i think it's supposed to be set in in part between new york city and in part between rome at least and that's also it comes off very italian that one there i don't know how to describe it it's it's become like a cult classic and it's it's, been, it's become a movie that people view as, like, one of the best horror movies of all time. And I don't... It's a movie that you watch and, like, okay, I just watched that. I have no idea what the fuck happened. And, where, I, <laughs> and I think what the plot of it was.
0: My problem with people claiming, like, the best horror movie of all time is horror is very subjective. And I it doesn't, mm. like... I just don't think that jives as much with me. That's um, fair. That's fair. But I will say I did take advantage of Prime having some movies cheap and got the entire um, first 10 Friday the 13th movies that I'll probably be oh, okay. watching over the next uh, couple of days since I have the rest of the week off. So.
2: Mm. Oh, that's nice.
0: But yeah, um, I didn't like Rosemary's Baby. I thought it was very Not good. middling. Mm-hmm. There's a lot so of... I... there's a lot of horror movies i would watch again before it that aren't as well regarded so uh this week we are going back to our dangerous alliance um project and we are doing clash of the champions 17 this aired on november 19th 1991 so if you don't under if you if you're if you're newer to the to the world of wrestling and weren't around for WCW, so they would do probably quarterly up until a certain point, they would do these TV specials called Clash of the Champions. So what Clash of the Champions is, is it's kind of like sort of like what an in your house pay per view was. So you would get better matches than usual, you get feature level stuff, but it would be kind of like the between point of TV and a pay per view.
3: Mm -hmm. at at this point i believe that wcw had at least like a saturday night show they probably had like the sunday night show but the sunday night show was still like like what an hour or so so they
0: at this point point Mm -hmm. they had they had um it's not saturday night yet it's still world championship wrestling it changes over to saturday night in 1992 they have um i think power hour is still on at this point which is like a friday tbs show and then they have main event in um on Sunday on TBS, and then in syndication they have Worldwide and Pro.
1: Okay.
0: So if you're watching all the WCW TV at this point, there is um, six hours a week.
3: Okay, that's actually a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. But But the thing is, I think the Saturday night show was basically like the flap. It was. It wasn't... And that's where you would see some longer matches. Hmm?
0: It wasn't necessarily at the beginning, but it became the the flagship.
3: Okay. Um, but at that point, this is like years before Nitro uh, in late 91. Uh, so you, you did... No, not that long before Raw. Like Raw started in 92. Like Very okay. like
0: uh, the first week of 93. So Raw's about... A year
3: off. Point is, I'm try- the point I'm trying to make is like you you would see some good wrestling, but you wouldn't necessarily see like pay-per-view quality stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's why like the Clash of the Champions were like a bigger deal back in the day because it's like you would actually see like pay-per-view quality stuff uh, oftentimes. Like it, you would see like important matches, you would see title changes.
0: They might test run see... something to see how it mm-hmm. to see if they if it'll work on pay-per-view.
3: Yeah, you could see stuff like that. You could see um,
0: usually got a title change or two, which is back in Mm -hmm. that day was a novelty. It's kind of like what's it's it's a better version of Saturday Night's Main Event for WWF at the time.
3: Yeah, it uh, I'm not. I guess thinking this is not quite a, a great analogy or comparison, but there, it kind of was like how like back in the day like NXT had its own show. And then, like quarterly, they'd have a takeover. Yeah, It'd yeah. Be like yeah. takeover, would be basically like a pay-per-view level show. Uh, that's that's basically how Clash of the Champions was. Same mm-hmm. concept.
0: Yeah. And if you watch like the TV, WCW's better. But like when you watch like WWF TV in the in the 80s, you just live for when you're getting close to the Saturday night's main event, so you can get something worthwhile to watch.
2: Yeah. Something a little bit more interesting than what, like five minute squashes.
0: Yeah, WCW is a little better at that. At points, they give a little more away. Um, yeah. So, but so this is um this is probably about a month after Halloween Havoc, so we're gonna kick this off, um, with Big Josh versus Thomas Rich. Now, the first problem I have with this is if you watch this, Big Josh and Tommy Rich are essentially about the same size. Probably tommy
2: rich the, is a little
0: little flabbier well taller too i feel right yeah so but they build big josh is 270 and tommy rich is 239 pounds i'm like there's no way that this is the <laughs> this is the the variance in weight i think we lost shad people so if you're
3: i wondering. think we did lo- <laughs> i think we did lose shad he got quiet so that's
0: I don't see his little logo popping. Is he still in the
3: No, it, it's not. Okay. Uh, it has disappeared. So,
0: okay. but he'll, he'll pop back in. So anyway, um, I was actually pleasantly surprised by this match. I don't know why it was a lumberjack match, but this was perfectly fine wrestling.
3: Uh, do you, do you have any concept as to why it was a lumberjack match? Were no they beauty? I don't, I mean, I didn't. Oh, there he is.
2: Yeah. yeah sorry about that. My, guy. my Skype crashed.
3: Oh, what were you going
2: to say as, about um, uh,
0: Thomas Rich? Does. Yeah.
2: Thomas Rich is is honestly a little taller. He's bigger than than Big Josh is here.
0: Yeah. So it's absurd to say, a lot. it's absurd to claim Big Josh is 270 is what I was saying. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I figured you were going with it. I was trying to set up for it, but uh,
0: I honestly think that this only exists to, to do the the Terry Taylor tripping him at the end to break up the Orc Foundation, and then they just drop the angle.
2: That's exactly what I had. I I was sitting there watching this, and I was like, the first thought that went through my head. Did you guys remark on what kind of match it was during my brief disconnect? We're no, getting we just to it. Hot. Okay. Yeah. Go go ahead, and then I'll
3: I'll throw that I, out. I, oh, let, let me just say, like I didn't want I didn't start watching uh, wrestling until like a, a year later, uh, so I have no concept of what was going on at this time. So I have no idea what if they were feuding at all, or why this was a lumberjack match. So right. if, if you know that, like inform me,
2: because I'm at a loss as to why. Yeah, we we have we have a lumberjack match. To start Clash of the Champions for a reason that I, I didn't hear or I, I couldn't figure out. I didn't know what it was supposed to be. He didn't
0: even wrestle with York Foundation guy at Halloween Havoc.
2: No. But here he is. He's, he, for some reason, we're having a, a gimmick grudge match. And the Lumberjacks and... really don't do anything. Not I – mean, they do a little bit, but it's not involving the match. All they do is, like, with one exception, they just throw everybody back in.
0: But, like, but you're, like, two or – like, so I remember them saying it's a lumberjack match. And I'm watching this match, and it's, like, two or three minutes in, and then they go outside. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's lumberjacks.
2: Yeah. Well, no, you can't I, – I didn't forget because – Garvin's on the outside trying to draw as much oh, attention yeah. to himself as possible. Uh, fuck
0: Jimmy Garvin.
2: Uh, like, I don't understand how the, the
3: this like early 90s WCW version of the Freebirds were so selfish and just trying to get over every possible opportunity mm-hmm. and make it about themselves.
0: I think it's mostly Jimmy Garvin because Michael Hayes seems okay-ish most of the time. It he's really th-
2: okay if he's not next to Garvin. But it's always Garvin's bringing that out of him
0: like like at this, like this one, though, like Michael Hayes doesn't even acknowledge the camera when they do like that zoom past them. But no, Jimmy true. Garvin has to do this big yell to get like the heat on himself. And it's like, come on, dude, like just shut your mouth. Shut that's yeah. not why you're out there. But I was going to say, aside from the stupidity of the lumberjack thing, I thought this match was surprisingly decent
3: yeah this is a pretty decent match. what I guess what we learned in the last few weeks is that uh, Matt Bourne, aka big Josh aka Doink the clown like was he was actually just a really good worker, yeah. So I was you, watching I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. I oh, know no, I was just gonna say like that I just going to reiterate like he's a good worker. like if you if you had him in a match, especially if you had him in a match with like an, another competent or good worker, like he'd probably have like a good match that comes out of that
0: I, his finisher is dumb as hell though.
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I didn't true. understand why he was doing the earthquake splash. The
0: running whoopee cushion since. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's like okay, that would hurt, but that the two hundred like twenty. I mean, legitimately, probably like a two hundred and something pound guy jumping on your chest is gonna hurt, but it's not gonna incapacitate you.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't understand the choice of that one. In watching this, there was at least early on there was a because when it started off, like. Uh, Big Josh goes at him, and he just starts wearing him out. And Rich goes to powder out, you know, roll out of the ring, get a breather, all that. And he he looks down, and the lumberjacks are looking at him, and he can't go. And I'm like, oh, hey, they're actually doing something with it. Mm-hmm. But then the next note I have in here as I was watching is, well, the free birds are bored because <laughs> there's, there's Garvin over there. And, like, the camera's on the other side of the ring, and he's waving his arms and looking at the camera. And it's like, dude, shut up. And, like, they'd throw him out and throw him back in. The, The biggest thing about this match that jumped out at me was that the transitions between the face and the heel offense were really abrupt. There was no, like... There wasn't a spot where, like, you know, Rich clips the knee or something and then goes in on the offense. There's no spot where Big Josh you know, rolls out of the way as something starts going on off offense. It's just all of a sudden now the other guy's on offense. And I was like, why, why, why are why are you doing that?
0: It felt like, it felt like they thought they had 10 minutes and they got told they had six minutes.
2: Yeah. Where, where they cut everything down. That was, that yeah. was my takeaway too, is suddenly they're operating on a lot less time than they thought they had. Cause it was really abrupt.
0: Yeah. Became, and, Brad... and like, it's, it's weird because they're super like, I was gonna say like this is where you really see the value of having veterans like Tommy Rich around for this because he know like he does his job.
2: Yeah. He does he does he does he does just fine. And he does he I, does
0: that thing I like that's not burying the finish where he does that weak little like I kinda kicked my leg and I just don't have anything.
2: Oh to yeah, get out. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down and I'm I'm trying to get out, but I don't have gas in the tank to do it. So yeah. you're not bearing the finish. You're showing it's like, no, he's got me beat. It's actually kind of reinforcing and, it.
0: And I liked his douchey, the way he had his hair, like, gelled with his, like, long hair and a ponytail. I thought that was, like, douchey and really good.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they had the total yuppie cuts going. Yeah. Um, but in watching this, um, like you said, we get to the end of this, and the only thing I can figure is that this was supposed to – the whole Lumberjack thing was supposed to be a setup for the finish. But then, Brad, you were saying that it doesn't go anywhere. They just
0: dropped the York Foundation like right after this.
3: Yeah, because I was so confused by the ending.
2: He's like, like the
0: tailor-made man like a couple weeks after this teaming with Greg Valentine, I think.
3: Uh, yeah, because I was gonna say like, th- is it does this lead to like Thomas Thomas Rich like feuding with uh, Terry Taylor?
0: Nope. Is Terry Taylor. They tur- just dropped Ace? the angle. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think they just dropped the angle after this. Mm. I bet, well, 15...
2: since since he's name checked on this show specifically, Jim Heard, everybody.
0: Well, I think they were about to change over a regime too. So that probably had some things to do with it. So it, then. Um, so then we go to our next match.
2: Yeah. Um, Bobby Eaton versus firebreaker chip who let's just, can I just say, um,
0: we're going to get the van hammer, but firebreaker chip is far worse than van hammer. Uh, they're both bad, but like
3: but... At, at this point, I don't know if I would agree with that at this point, but this yeah, hammer, but, but this uh, is
0: this is my reasoning van hammer can actually bump and he doesn't well, look van, like he doesn't look like he has a metal rod in his back at all times
2: yeah chip is pretty stiff he is stiff uh
0: like he does I, that I, he does that like that clothesline off the top rope and i swear to god i thought it was like the you know the like the og iron man armor where you wonder how he could actually move in that it looked like Iron Man trying to do a, a clothesline or like the original Gigantor.
2: Okay. Gigantor But um like there's they got and one of the one of the things that confused me is why did they get in ring intros? I'm watching this. I'm like they both got they both got jobber intros. Why are you why are you doing that? And then when the match gets started, and God bless them, JR and Tony have their working mics on tonight. They are, they are working hard tonight. But even with this match, it's still not. Um, and then Chip has this spot where he actually he has two crossbodies he attempts in succession. And I say attempts in succession specifically because they're not good. He he does one and I I I didn't write it down, but it, either Bobby just got out of the way, or rolled it through or something. And then he did another one, like he didn't rotate to crossbody instead of being full perpendicular. He was he was just a few degrees off true north, and he does that a bunch of times. And there's a bunch of rest holds in this. I think we're eight minutes in and we've got three rest hold spots. <laughs>
3: Because he doesn't really, he's not really that good. No. And he needs that's that's what he knows. You know,
1: he, you know. I
3: mean, if you want to slow it down, you want to. You you used to work like you can always like just throw him in a rest hold until you figure out something else to do. And unfortunately, like he couldn't really do it. But Bobby was trying. I mean, Bobby. What this match really showed is that Bobby's just so damn good of a worker. Yeah. Like he could he could tr- even take like a, a stiff. He could try, to like, do what he can with this. Yeah. Um, and his selling and everything like that was good. His, his, his work rate was great. Uh, I don't know. Bobby was, let me look it up. Like how old is Bobby at this match? I
2: mean, he obviously did. He'd been around like a long time already, but he did not seem happy. Um, in, in watching this, like Bobby Eaton, as nice a guy as he is in the ring, he did not seem happy with this. Uh, with this match. Looking it up, Bobby was about 33 at this point. Okay.
3: So he was pretty young, although he always looked... To me, he always looked, like, older. <laughs> but he was in... He was trying. He was trying his best. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, this was one of those ones that I'm, like, I'm kind of confused as to why this was on the... the mm. on the show, other than mm. just, like, they needed to fill some time, and they wanted to... Obviously in retrospect. It's like, well, you want to kind of give Bobby some some uh TV time because you're going to put him in the Dangerous Alliance sh- very soon. So They
0: win They win the tag title. He and Arn win the tag titles like a day mm. after this.
3: Oh, okay. After this. It, I I thought What? Uh, I thought I thought the people who won the tag titles at least had like a short reign.
0: Yeah, a day. Really? Like, let me yeah, look that up. Th- yeah, I think it's like a day. I looked it up,
3: and I was like, "That'd oh.
2: be really fast."
3: Well, I, I don't, the turned would—that wouldn't even make sense. You see? Uh, oh my God, you're right! Wow. What? Oh wait, wait. Oh no, no, I am sorry, I had it wrong. Like they—they. They, the, oh,
0: it's they, they they hold it for 2 months. I'm sorry. I was looking at the yeah. rain number. Sorry, the, yes. the Wikipedia the Wikipedia thing is needlessly complicated.
3: It sometimes is. Uh, Wikipedia that's how I, I got it. I got confused exactly too. Right. Well, and I was uh, looking
0: at it on a phone when I looked that up because they were making a big deal uh, about the legalities and like, oh, they didn't dusty finish this because that'd be really dumb. So I looked it up.
2: Yeah. Um Yeah, what, uh, end of this, the end on this match, by the way. Oh, one other thing. Firebreaker Chip cannot throw a punch. For God's sake, you're in the ring with Bobby Eaton. Mm -hmm. Let him teach you to throw a punch. Okay, like, Bobby Eaton has, like, amazing work punches. Let him do it. But they don't. It speaks to your
0: quality when Bobby Eaton in this era couldn't drag something watchable out of you.
2: I mean, it, what 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 I get is the, this match ends when Bobby Eaton does a belly-to-back suplex with a bridge for the finish, and they cut immediately. They just snap away from it, and I'm like, oh, somebody is unhappy here. And I can't say as I blame him.
0: They did that a lot, though. It felt like they were running 20 minutes behind this whole show.
2: But Eaton kind of looked annoyed uh, with, with having to do this match.
0: I'd be annoyed if I had to work with with um, him. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: once this guy leaves WCW, he, he works for the USWA and he works for SMW. And he does like a weekend and they never bring him back. That's how bad he is. Wow. Because the thing is too, like Todd Champion's decent.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Todd Champion's the one that's doing the heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, like, the, like he. It's just, it's. He's terrible. So mm-hmm. up next, um, this is the first baffling moment for me of the night. So this is, this is Tom Zink versus the Diamond Stud, and I have. Wait, a no,
2: question. you skipped the segment.
0: Oh, is this the Sting attack?
2: Yes. Okay. So apparently someone's been sending boxes to Sting. Nobody knows who's been sending boxes to Sting, but someone's been sending boxes to Sting. And whenever Sting comes out there, like, hey, someone's sending boxes to Sting, Shivani doesn't do the full-on Sting call because, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sting! And I'm just like, oh, God, warms my heart a little bit.
0: Now, Sting made a massive faux pas, in my opinion, here.
2: Uh Pink Tights?
0: No. Do you want to take another guess? He made he made what I think is one of the worst sins that a professional wrestler can make
2: on TV. He's a champion and champion and didn't bring the belt with him? Yes. That is exactly uh, yeah, a yeah.
0: number one humongous sin that he made.
2: Yeah. Bring the belt with you. Uh I I agree with you on that. Now, apparently there was a weird thing at some areas in WC or at some times in W C W when you would show up to the show and they would just hand you your belt. You didn't take it with you.
0: Well that's because um, that's because so because of the way they tape stuff, like there Mm -hmm. are situations where the Freebirds had like won the titles and lost the titles like before that even showed on TV and then the title lasted for like a month on TV. So like the reason that happened is because sometimes you weren't going around the house show circuit as the champion yet.
2: I remember I had some friends that um, they took a, they went on a, it was a bands of America trip to Atlanta. And while they were down there, they went in one CNN center and they had the display set up in one CNN center that had the cutout of Goldberg there. And they had the title belt in the case with the cutout. So uh, I thought that was odd, but, Anyway, Sting does come out without the belt, and then someone's been sending him boxes, and all of a sudden, a lot of, like, seriously oiled up dudes come out carrying a sedan chair, and Medusa comes out in kind of this Arabian Nights getup, like she's trying to seduce Sting, and Sting's like, uh, okay, this is weird.
1: It's I thought Sting
2: kind
0: of, they made Sting kind of dumb here.
2: They did. Yeah,
0: He's uh, a little too... Sting- uh-huh. Sting's Sting's um Sting unfortunately is thinking with little Stinger here.
2: Yeah, he got to be kind of amused by the whole thing. Uh and then what do we get? Uh Luger comes out and clips Sting's knee. So you know, that's and he goes he straight up goes to town and they like put Sting in an ambulance and take him away segment kind of thing. Which leads into something really cool later, so I'm just gonna leave that there. But it's kind of an odd segment. I didn't I like, like
0: this segment. I thought it was a lot of pomp and circumstance for Lex Luthor just blindsiding him when he could have done it in the parking lot.
2: It it I, I like. I guess if they'd been doing the sending boxes thing, they felt like they needed a payoff. But I don't know, man. This is
0: where this is where. This is where I think the point where I texted you guys and said, I wish WCW would just have embraced what they are because this is a very WWE thing. It doesn't work. Like they should just embrace that. They are the Southern style promotion. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get back to this later when they pay this off because they're, they, they, they're very WCW about it and it's awesome. But like, there's so much they could have done. Like what, what I really like about this show is the lower production values compared to WWF, like everything in WWF in 1991 is like super polished to the nines, but WCW is a little lower rent, but it works because that makes their product grittier. Like there's this sense of like just sweat and dirt to their product that makes it better to me.
2: It makes it feel, it makes it easier to suspend your disbelief and make it look a little more real.
0: Like there's something, there's something visceral about like the look of a WCW
3: show. That's, that's a great way to put it uh because there is uh, this whole like gritty uh visceral like you just said um feel to it it's just always watching watching more of it as we have been recently it's like it feels more real like we know it's not real but it's like it feels more real it feels I even like this is kind of like a larger point about this show that I noticed as I was watching it uh, and we can get into it with, like, the commentary. The commentary, by the way, is Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. Uh, but even just, like, the way that, that things are might, mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, the, in the, back in the day, it's, like, the old school thing of, of selling and doing the thing. It's, like, you, I've talked about it before. Like, you can do a thing where it's, like, you literally, you don't have to be, like, flipping 20 times. You can just be, like, have a guy, like, hold the guy's head with one hand. And then clock him one in the face and mm-hmm. you're working the punches so that you're not actually like injuring the guy. But there's a way you can do it and you can like subtly stomp your foot or, or what have you. But you can do it in a way and it looks based upon you, like how you perform the move and how the guy, your opponent is selling it. It can look mm-hmm. devastating. like it can look like real hard, hard shit. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like that was more apparent with like WCW, less cartoonish. And it came off like in this, like there were times like, like in the, we'll talk about it, like when the, the main event, but like, you know, like you could have Lex Luger come off and like double uh, axe handle Rick Steiner from like the second rope or something like that. And just the way it's done and everything, it seems like two just big, like, Meaty men smacking men <laughs> slapping me. Slapping me. <laughs> like, just big brutes just like brutalizing each other. And it seems very real and really, like, intense. I don't know. I liked it. So You're right. Like, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It seems very, like, visceral, and there's something that – the whole gritty aspect to me, like, it, that's, like, the appeal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But this – I think that the boxes segment had been a way that they had been debuting people to attack, like, Cactus.
0: Cactus and, and I Abby think were the other two. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that they debuted out of the box thing as it turns out they're they're being paid to attack Sting, so it's like well we need payoff for that. It's like well okay, but this was a long way to go for that. Yeah, and I, you you could have chopped this down a bit. Mm. Um, so anyway, then this does go to the what. Uh, brad was talking about diamond stud versus z-man
0: and they 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 chainsaw this thing in here right off of commercial break yeah they do and i don't know why tom zinc won because the people were really happy when the diamond stud gave him the razor's edge
2: diamond stud scott hall let put that out there does the <clears throat> diamond death drop <laughs> which is the razor's edge and then the thing that got me is he does the did that looked down, stood up, looked at the camera, and went, "I'm the bad guy." And I was like, "Okay." I didn't realize he had all of that work out before. Razor no,
0: it's so proposed. stupid. It's so stupid. They they had him as a finished product. And yeah. I know I know WWE revisionism makes it seem like Vince came up with it. All he did was add the accent and the chains. He had the whole gimmick figured out in WCW, if, and he was if, over.
3: If it anything, over. all Vince did was just make it like kind of offensive by making him like a fake Hispanic, like a fake Cuban. Yeah. Make him a Scarface. He, he wasn't, he re- wasn't. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't remotely Latin American.
2: No.
0: And he was over. That's the worst part. He was over.
2: Yep. Incidentally, watching this for some reason, I had in my hand that Z man was a good hand that just couldn't, you know, didn't have the last piece, but man, he was not smooth anywhere in this match.
0: No, he's never good.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, then I, I,
3: I kind of feel like
2: he was serviceable at points in his career. He's just planned he, as fuck, even when he's he is
3: planned. like he was not really like
2: a big deal. I mean, look, when your gimmick is my last name starts with the letter Z, mm. you got to figure there ain't a whole lot to work off of there. Um, But, yeah, they have this whole thing. Uh, he, Z, Z-Man wins with a crucifix, Diamond Stud whoops him afterward, the crowd's into it, and then they don't do anything with it.
0: Yep. And then, so we go next to, um, and I have to say, I have to, st- I have to say, because we've heard it twice now, and I know it's the real music, because I've heard him use it on a New Japan tape. I had it. Steve Austin's music is fantastic.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. This is TV title match. The champion stunning Steve Austin versus pn news
0: and this is where i'm like oh god like this is where this one stood out to me on the thing because i was like oh man this is gonna be so bad Uh,
2: yeah you know what on paper
3: it's like oh god pn news
0: in four minutes of of wrestling
3: yeah and i have to say i
0: have to say this was passable
3: this was almost like a good match it was I, I messaged you guys. This is pro. This might be the best P News match I've ever seen.
0: It he is, came, yeah. Because he came to play. I mean, he. Because the thing is, he seems like after two matches. I, I think I have said it twice. I think he's technically competent. He's just too fat.
2: Fat. See, I I saw that, I watched this match, and I was just kind of like, Oh god, here we go. And then I'm watching this, and I'm like, Wow, he's on offense big early on and he's doing a good job. There except for one part when he tries to pin Austin and Austin is literally all up in the ropes and I'm like, dude, pull him away from it a little bit. Come on. It,
3: this is like a four minute match and I dare I say it like the, the PN News was in control like sixty to seventy five percent of the match. Oh yeah. And did not do a bad job. He yeah. actually was like he It was weird because he was too fat. That that was, like, his problem. Um, Which is really ironic because uh, if you see him later in his career, because he he did wrestle for quite a a long time, I believe, in Europe. Like, the dude got jacked. Like, he got really big, muscular. Mm -hmm. He still had some weight to him, but he looked, it was more like the... uh, He was slimmed down by, like, 100 pounds. Yeah, he was slimmed down, like, he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't look like Scott Norton. That's not exactly like a, a good comparison, but it, think more Scott Norton, where it's like he's a, it's a big dude, but a big dude that you wouldn't be like, oh, I can take that that dude. He's just fat. It's like no, he looked pretty solid and like a yeah. bodybuilder type. Like so, he got more physically imposing later in his, his career, but at this point, like he was kind of heavy, but in this match with Austin. He was like throwing like bombs and stuff like that, and it's like that dude seemed like okay, this dude might actually be like legit strong, and he's just like throwing. I think if he had, shit at Austin, it looked, yeah. it looked kind of impressive.
0: I think if they'd gotten him another gimmick and gotten him to lose fifty to seventy pounds, they could have had like a decent mid card guy.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that this match was on its way to actually being good, except we only got half of it. We only got half of the match because it's it's PN News throws Austin around. Austin rolls out Lady Blossom. They're both there. And they, God, it's so nice sometimes to look back at older stuff because the heels are willing to back down
0: and, and Austin, throw their hands
2: up and be like, wait, wait, no, 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 no.
0: And Austin's literally like murdering himself to make this stuff look good, too.
2: Like yes. if if this had been a full match. And not something that got out, got cut off after four minutes. I think this would have been good, yeah. but we didn't get that much time.
0: Has Austin cheated to win both of the matches we've seen with him now?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Or am I thinking of Luger cheated both times?
2: I, who did uh, Austin face in the last one we watched? Oh, fuck! Who was? Yeah, that's what my problem was. Oh, shit! This... Like, it's on the tip
0: of my tongue. Who did he... It was a decent match, wasn't it?
2: I thought it was. Let's
0: talk. I'll look it up real quick.
2: Uh, anyway. Mm. He wins with the feet on the ropes. Like, that. that is... This whole thing happens that, that PN News puts himself into the turnbuckles. Austin pins him with feet on the ropes. And it's like, okay, but this comes literally out of nowhere. So... Uh, like Dustin I said, Rhodes, this...
0: how did we forget that? It was Dustin Rhodes.
2: Oh, God. That was a I
0: good did... match, too.
2: That was he a time limit Dust... draw. He beat Dustin. Was not time limit draw? Is that yeah, what it that was? Yeah, it was time limit draw. Okay. So, uh, he didn't cheat for both of these, but like, if this had been the entire match it was supposed to be, I think this would have been good.
0: It's, it's the problem that the first match had. If you had drug this out to, like, eight minutes, I think they would have had something.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, it, I don't know. It could have been good. And that yes. that is a nice surprise. And um I wish I honestly I kind of wish that we had gotten to see more of that cuz I was pleasantly surprised you know, by how this worked.
0: You know, you know you're in you're on to a decent show when two of the first four matches are pleasant surprises. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So next we go to um, – so this is – we're get, we're about to get enraged here because this, this really does enrage me. But we're going to get to Van Hammer versus Cactus Jack. So my first comments here is um, Mick Foley really owes Vince McMahon um, a lot for refining his look because he – Mick's really good and he's really good in this match, but he looks a little too low rent for national TV.
2: Mm-hmm. I thought it was supposed to be that Cactus was kind of supposed to look ragged. Because that's part of what.
0: Yeah, you but know, he could have. He could have. He there. He could have upscaled it a bit.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, Foley was so thrifty that he he used the same boots for so long.
0: It's like the and Mikey it, Whipwreck problem from Spring Stampede.
3: Mikey Whipwreck was worse to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, he... Yeah, but I do. I get what you're saying. Like Cactus looked a little like indie.
0: Yeah, and now. Um, now, let's get to the real problem here. Van Hammer does not know how to fucking hold a guitar, and it pisses me
2: off. Yeah, yeah. It's, Not only does he not know how to hold a guitar, he makes it blazingly obvious. He's more comfortable shooting it like a gun. He, here's here, Van, Tammer, Van Hammer's pose with a flying V guitar. is He takes the neck, and he holds his arm straight up, and then he points at the guitar. He doesn't even put his finger on the strings and act like he's strumming on it.
0: Yeah, even Hogan knew how to fake playing the guitar for that Real yeah. American music video.
2: It well, It's because Hogan played bass. Um,
0: well, and you know what's dumb, though, is if he was a heel, it would have been brilliant because people would have been so mad at him.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. like at least at least if your gimmick is you're going to be, you know, a ha- a hair metal rocker guy. And you're coming out with a guitar. At least put in a little bit work so that you could maybe fake it. And in Foley's first book, he he points right at this very problem. He goes, "It was like yeah, I don't remember where he said it was. Maybe it was Memphis. Maybe it was in Texas somewhere." He says, "Like it's like when I came to the ring with a bull whip, it never cracked it. Everybody knew I couldn't." And it, it is not. It's not just like Van Hammer's coming out here with a guitar on his back and carry if he if he didn't even do anything with it if he just carried it like on his back and he's got the point like i'm a heavy metal guy but i'm here to wrestle and you know didn't do anything with it okay maybe we can let that but the fact that the way he holds it up and it doesn't do anything with it it's just like god quit pointing out that you don't know it
0: it's the um it's the issue with cora jade and her skater gimmick is everyone knows she can't skate yeah, yeah. It's the difference between I know I know everyone's going to get mad because it caused drama. But it's the difference between her and Darby Allen is Darby Allen treats a skateboard like he's actually touched one before.
2: It, Darby skated to the ring and wiped somebody out that way. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty straightforward. But
0: even the way like he comes out and he kicks it up to himself so like, "Oh, he knows how to use a skateboard."
2: Yeah, I mean, how much work would it do to for you to be able to kick the ball. Bo- you come out with the board, you kneel down, you do a thing, you stand up, you kick the board into your hand, and you, like, point it at someone like a weapon. You're like, I don't want to get on this because it's not going to be stable, but
0: yeah, and I it, know
2: what I'm doing with it.
0: It's like um, it's like when L.A. Park comes to the ring, and he acts like he's a psychopath that might tune you up if you look at him wrong, and he probably <laughs> has a loaded gun in his glove compartment. That works because he probably literally does have a loaded gun in his glove compartment.
3: Uh, that would be accurate. Yeah.
0: Like he 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 acts like he's a problem and it's probably because he is a problem. <laughs> and my favorite gif is him in Arena Mexico. And that guy like grabs his mask and he just turns and he punches the guy right in the face. Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that that gif is burned into my brain. Yes. Cuz that is a straight shot through the guy's face.
0: And it's not like one of those like he pushes the guy, no. He 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 cold-cocks the guy right in the face and I think knocks him out.
3: Yeah. So I, I sorry to, I'm. Digressing. It's all right, Matt. Go I, ahead. Sorry, but I I actually have this theory that like the Lucha Brothers, like they're probably like nice guys. I know they're like tatted up and they probably like could be problems themselves if they needed to be,
1: mm-hmm. but
3: they're probably like nice guys at heart. Like I just saw something like they, I guess they have a store uh, in California, like SoCal, somewhere maybe in San Diego. I'm not sure. But they were like giving away like they were doing they're giving away candy like they're people were coming like trick or treating and everything like that they're just like handing out candy and everything like that so they're probably like good guys and I'm not saying that La Parque isn't but La Parka seems like he's probably like yeah <laughs> he could be like a thug <laughs> when he wants to be he seems like he's hard
0: my my favorite thing they did in a match once is back in PWG they were facing the Bucks and they were doing their little poses with each other and they mm. ran out of the ring put on the Bucks jackets and did like the suck it thing to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the Bucks were very upset.
2: So the first thing that I see in this match when it starts is, is, is Cactus is very,
0: he almost very kills Cactus clearly... Jack on that drop kick, by the way.
2: Uh, he's very clearly spoon feeding Van Hammer, like in, in the high chair feeding him kind of thing. And there is a spot where Van Hammer does a clothesline to the back of Cactus's head and stiffs the shit out of him with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like I threw a Northern Lariat in one of my gimmicks, but I made damn sure that I was not actually hitting the back of somebody's head. I always told them, I said, look, if you're bent forward just a little bit, I can do it in such a way that's gonna look nasty as hell, but just tuck your chin down and it'll be all right. Um and it, you know, not. A, but that's not what Van Hammer just full takes his takes his arm and clocks Cactus in the back of the head, and I'm already pretty pissed at him.
0: Now I will I will give Van Hammer some credit here. That bump he took over the top rope to the floor was pretty good.
2: Yes, uh, I'll give him that. Van Hammer, someone taught him to bump.
0: Yeah, he because it's it's weird. Like the one thing I I noticed in this match is. And I'm not saying he's good, but I was like, huh, Van Hammer actually sells pretty decently and he bumps pretty well. Like, I'm kind of surprised because those are like those are like the harder skills I think is to learn than doing moves. And I was kind of surprised that he seemed to grasp those well.
2: It's because that's the first thing you're trained to do, because if you can't bump properly, you're going to get hurt. You're not going to learn everything else if you don't learn to bump properly. He, He learned how to bump properly. But he never, he apparently didn't learn how to do other stuff properly, and that's dangerous too.
0: but I would say, o- sorry,
2: Matt, I cut you off.
0: I would say overall, Mick drug something decent out of him here,
3: yes, <laughs> uh, I mean, Van Hammer like wasn't good per se, like oyster wasn't great here but overall like i don't think as a worker like i mean like you can go into like years later like he wasn't really good but i i kind of do understand why he got hired back in the day because he had a good look like he had he had the look of someone that you would want at least back in this era but i don't know he he never really never really like clicked
0: he seems like he tries to like he seems like he's actually trying to do a good job
2: Uh I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing stories about his attitude at this point and I'm pretty sour on the guy.
0: I liked him I'm on awesome. the Flock.
2: Well the Flock was a great gig. You uh you didn't have to work on a regular basis. <laughs> but you true. were on TV all the time. Uh, the the finishes that Cactus Uh, hits Van Hammer in the throat with his own guitar. But but then Van Hammer goes after him to get his heat back after the match. And i got to say, I really hate that. Like, every now and then it's okay. And uh, Scott Hall doing it to to Z-Man earlier in the show is like, well, I mean, I kind of get it. But in this case, I really hated it. And it's...
0: I would I before I would comment, I'd have to look at his results and see if he had lost on TV before.
2: No, they said he was undefeated going into this. Okay,
0: so I don't like it, but I kind of understand why they did it.
2: I just don't like it. So. All right. That was that match. Um, Then we have a phone segment uh, about staying at the hospital. They said he was in the exam room and. And. It was interesting because you would not think that Jim Ross being on the phone and the other side of the the whole phone call being like through the auditorium speakers, it sounded like you wouldn't think that'd be good. But it seemed to work out pretty well. They had
0: problems with the the audio system, though, because there were some times where Tony was talking into a microphone and that thing was feedbacking really bad.
3: Yeah, that's true. Um, And also, I don't. I thought that that Eric Bischoff was like so over the top here. Oh, God, he's terrible. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, that's true. That's true. Um, so we have this and they're like, oh, Sting's at the hospital and there's doctors here with him and we'll be back with an update later. OK, fine. It, then we go into what I'm arbitr- arbitrarily going to declare Matt's favorite match in the history of wrestling since the beginning of time. Perhaps not quite, but this is a good match. I Matt's like favorite spot. match of all time. Yes.
0: Uh-huh. So Barry Windham, they replay Barry Wyndham getting attacked. He had reconstructive surgery a couple of days ago. So they come out. Um, everyone comes out, and they say they have a replacement. And um, they have a guy Wait, to come out in a let's, dragon let's costume. Let's
2: clear who it is. It's the Enforcers, Arn Anderson, and Larry Zabisco. Uh, yeah. Who, incidentally, I... Just whenever we were doing our favorite tag teams, I was remiss in not putting these guys on there because I love the way they work together. Oh, my God. Anyway, please continue. I'm sorry.
0: So they, they the guy comes out in a dragon costume, and they're kind of like, huh, I wonder if he's from Japan or whatever, which I thought was a good not give it away.
2: Yeah, um, I, I like that a lot.
0: He unmasks and it's – oh, go ahead, Matt.
3: Uh, I'm sorry. Damn, I cut you off, Brad. I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. I was going to say fine. like I was just going to agree with you. Like I did li- I did notice that clip back that uh that little tidbit. Uh and I did think that, that was like good. They were like, "Well, uh, who is this guy?" Like he could be you know part of the he could be for the Orient and I thought like that's clever. That's actually like you're trying to like you know who it is, and is. You're going to reveal mm-hmm. it in, like in a second, but it's it, they did kind of like try to shift attention a bit. And I did like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, misdirect
2: just a little bit. So you're thinking, oh, maybe it's that – had Buddha shown up in WCW at this point? Yeah, he'd he'd already
0: had the 89 and 90 run, and he comes back in 92. So he's a well-known
2: commodity. For for the life of me, I could not remember the years on it.
0: And there's guys Um, like um, the Dragon Master, um, Great Kabuki that would have been on people's minds too
2: yeah so it's it's a good red herring to throw out there again this is this is tony and jim ross doing good work at the announce table yeah
0: so he takes the now i like this part so he takes like this headgear off but they have like a towel over his head so you don't quite see who it is yet and then they do the big unveil and so the crowd goes crazy the enforcers like start freaking out and i think matt's favorite
2: line it doesn't happen yet but no. I do love Arn looks up and goes, "Not Ricky Steamboat, not Ricky Steamboat."
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like that. Uh, I mean, Arn would know because Steamboat had been around uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, like won the title from Flair already. Uh, you know, back when Flair was was kicking around with like the Horsemen. Flair is obviously not here. He, he at this point he had jumped to the WWE.
0: Uh, I actually don't think I don't think Arn and Steamboat had ever been in the same company at this juncture.
2: Really? Yeah, because
0: Steamboat leaves in 85 right before the Georgia merger. When he comes in for that six months in 89, Arn is in WWF. And then by the time Arn came back, Steamboat was already gone and back in WWF. Mm -hmm. So this would probably be the first time they've ever come across each other unless like there might have been like if they did come across each other they would have been very divergent on the card because um, Arn would probably still have been jobbing at that point.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, we get the match start and it it goes without saying Ricky is big over
0: here. Mm -hmm. I was going to say this might be the single best like performance I've ever seen out of Steamboat. Not maybe the best match he's ever been in, but like just the intensity and fire he was showing is like very very yeah. uncharacteristic of what I think of in Steamboat matches.
3: I would even argue that he had better fire here than in the uh the match he was he had with uh Youngblood against mm. Slaughter and Carnoodle. Yeah. Like that's not to say like it uh I mean, his performance was good, and Youngblood was one who really like a lot of fire in that tag team match. But it, it he definitely like it was more of a big deal here. It seemed like it, it, he was really good in all this, which is not saying much. I mean, obviously like Steamboat's like one of the best of all time, but like he definitely like he knew what he had to do with making a big splashy
2: debut. Yeah. Uh, hmm?
0: And then I. My, wanna... Oh, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say my my <laughs> note on this is that. In my notes, Ricky is so dynamic. This is probably the most dynamic Ricky Steamboat I've ever seen, because usually he seems to have, kind of have a more reserved demeanor. But I loved super dynamic, super go get him Ricky Steamboat.
0: Yeah. And I want to say for anyone that thinks Larry Zbyszko sucks, watch this match because oh he God. is fantastic. And I love like he, I love mm-hmm. pretty much the enforcers to ever get like on offense. They have to cheat.
2: Uh, b- but they don't they don't stooge is the way I put it. It's like they're working. They still back down, but they still wrestle. So they don't just like, oh, God, and fall down for everything. Like they still go at him.
3: Yeah. it the, I wrote down in my notes like this is so classic, like old school healing. Mm-hmm. They would cheat, but then they would like go on offense. They would like do a bunch of underhanded stuff when they had the advantage. They
0: cut corners is more what they did their cheating was.
3: Yeah, yeah, but they didn't. Um, they they didn't stooge, and that maybe why people might think that Zabisco's not great at times, uh, or and why he was a little bit different here. It's like he's not doing his usual Zabisco stuff. And I like Zabisco, but we all, we know that Zabisco is like one of the things he's known about is that he he's you could have a match with Zabisco, and it could be like a twenty minute match of which like only ten of it is actually like match. Like ten of it could just be him like stalling and walking around doing us like it, it and he would do that to make people pissed off at him obviously and like yeah get invested but like, he did he doesn't really do any of that stuff here like he it's just again it's him uh healing with arn or cutting corners as you say he did they did some really cool stuff here that i well i said it was like old school healing because they do some stuff where it's like uh i think arn is not doesn't arn have uh s- I don't know if it's Dustin or, or Ricky, I forget. Didn't he like having like a boss and crab? Uh, yeah. And the ref is like distracted. And while the ref is distracted, like Larry like reaches over to Arn and like is pushing his forehead back. And he's yes. it to, like, it's adding pressure yes to the move. And it's like, that's such a small little detail, but that's like such a dick heel move. <laughs> and with, they're
0: not, like, that, and, and what mm-hmm. makes it better is they they didn't think they were gonna win doing that. They were just doing it to be assholes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And they did another type of move like that where like Zabisco had uh some and maybe Ricky again in um uh, in like the abdominal stretch. And he does the classic heel move where it's like with the free hand he reaches over to his partner, his partner like pulls on the hand to kinda you know, add torque and pressure to the move. Like little stuff like that, like they did that all match long and it was like fantastic. I loved it.
0: It's yeah, that's the thing though, I think it the modern doesn't do as well as like they go for like the big cheats. But like where the old school stuff is cool, it's like, well, I don't need to pull your hair, but it's going to be easier to get you down if I do that. So I'm just going to tug on your hair or mm. eh, I'm just going to poke you in the eyes because I feel like it.
2: That was something um, when I was doing the VIP gimmick with the guy that brought me in the business. That was something that we very consciously tried to do is anything that we had an opportunity to be a dick about, mm. we did. Even if we're standing right next to each other, we would do the the clap tag instead of the actual tag each other just because it was something you weren't supposed to do. Um, And, you know, all of the like choking the guy when the other one's not looking or just reach over and pop him or something like that or or the fake tags or something like any time we had a chance for that, we did it. Um for that reason. It's every opportunity to piss somebody off.
0: Or the or the classic lost art of you go to pin the guy and it's not gonna help you, but you're just an asshole, so you do like the forearm shiv to the yeah. side of the head. That's the the Steve Freagle special.
2: The the forearm scrape is what I always thought of it as. Yeah. But yeah. Same thing. Um or <laughs> or one of BJ, my tag partner's favorite things to do. He'd go for the tag, the guy would kick out so he would sit up and he would kneel to argue with the ref and he's kneeling on the other guy's neck while he's arguing with the ref about that wasn't a three count. And the ref's like, get off his start, He goes, that wasn't a three. And the, so the ref can't start at the count because BJ keeps pushing him, arguing about he needs to count faster.
0: Or or like the, or like the, oh, he's starting to slip out of my head like, eh, I'm just going to grab him by the hair pull him back in.
2: Yeah. yeah. So it, it, this match has a lot of that. It's really good because... The Enforcers are doing great heel tag stuff. Both of the faces take a little bit of a beating and have this big comeback thing. People come out of their chairs to see Dustin Rhodes throw bionic elbows. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the end, Dustin does this great house of fire tag. He just comes in and goes nuts, but that steamboat still gets the win off of it. And – god it's such a great finish i loved it
0: dustin is so underappreciated in this era like he is so good in this
2: he's he's what 21 yeah he's 21 he's ridiculously good (sighs) he he really is and then calling him the natural wasn't just like oh it's a nickname because it's dusty's kid
0: and what's insane is it like 52 he hasn't really lost much of a step
3: no not really no, if anything, he's only he's better now in, in a sense because he's more seasoned. Yeah, yeah. he's refined it, He's he's got you know, like thirty more years of experience.
1: Yeah. Oh man,
3: that's that, yeah. I don't. I to me, it's like I don't really know uh, what they're doing. I don't know if like uh, it's him and QT running like the nightmare factory or what have you. I I, mm-hmm. I but I think Dustin's is doing training. It's like you you. you he works it, with the case, women
0: like, a lot. I think.
3: Yeah, like you should listen to Dustin. Like Dustin, yeah, not only has like again decades of experience. Like he is, he was good at 21. Mm-hmm. It's like it. He didn't. He actually didn't get worse. He, he's gotten at least. He's still. He still stayed at least as good. It's only that like later
2: in like the 90s, I guess he kind of like was was uh, that, his feet. On that Saturday. early 2000s TNA run as Black Rain. <sighs> yeah, that wasn't yeah. good. But I mean, no, that wasn't good. Like. But- once he's actually been, like, motivated again. Motivated and cleaned up. He's because, still well, that's so good.
3: good. Uh, but, I mean, his stuff in the in WWE with, with Booker, obviously, we talked about. It's just it, with, uh, with Cody.
0: The Rhodes family was, angle mm, that was so awesome. Yes. That's the last thing I was emotionally invested in, in WWE. And I had to wait for another company to start to get my payoff to that. Yeah. Because the whole yeah. payoff to that is... Um, it's him taking the belt from Cody, pulling his pants down and smacking him,
2: spanking him with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so yes, the, this, uh, I adored this match. This was so much fun to watch. This was a great match. Is it, this
3: again? I talked uh, recently when we did Halloween Havoc 91. Yeah. Like I would, uh, if I was doing best of WCW, for '91 or for like the decade, like I actually would put the Simmons Luger match on there, and okay. I would most certainly put this tag match on there. Like this oh, yes. is one of the best, and you could honestly, uh, it might be hyperbole to say like this is one of the best tag matches of all time. And it might be hyperbole, but it's like if you wanted to say like one of the best tag matches out there of the last like 30 years or so like this is probably up there with like this, the, the, the best like it's it's a really solid match
0: this probably edges out savage and warrior at mania for my match of
3: 1991 uh i i'm not gonna say that but that's only because like i would actually need to watch savage warrior again to kind of like read it because oh, i mean i mean, I've seen sh- that that match is fantastic I oh, know, it's yeah. fantastic. I, I, and I've seen it, but it's been, like, years since I've seen it. So, much like with some of the recent stuff we've done, where it's, like, Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter. It's, like, I saw that back in the day. Yeah. But it wasn't until, like, now, when I'm, like, older and I have more experience watching wrestling and everything like that, I can be, like, oh, actually, this match is, that, that match was, like, a good match. It just, like, didn't get it the credit that it deserved. Is
2: it, it, is that the eight elbow drops finish one?
0: Yeah. That's the one, that's yeah. the one that has one of my favorite moments in wrestling, where, Warrior goes to like press slam him, and he just gently puts Savage on his feet, and then he just smacks the shit out of him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that uh, that one again. We talk about other workers, but like Warrior actually was uh, not as bad as people think he was. Like no. he, he could he could at least be like
2: dragged to, like matches, good matches. Think, with the right. I couple. think Warrior's thing was that Warrior because ne- I know they did it with the title match with Hogan, and I know Savage did it for everything. Warrior was one of those guys that needed his match planned out from beginning to end.
0: Sherry Martel claims that Savage gave him 10 pages of notes for that match <laughs> is what Warrior said. I,
2: it, that, would, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Well, and, you, know,
0: you know the Mania 3 match, he like flew Steamboat out to his house so they could practice or something, or he wanted to.
2: Yeah. That, was, that was the thing. Savage and that's where DDP got it from. Because DDP was one of those guys that it's like, hey, you know, he planned everything beginning to end, which, I mean, if you need to do that, you need to do that. But I didn't like doing it that way. Um, But if you had, well, I can't say that's where DDP got it from. I don't know. But if if you, it seems like that if you gave Warrior one of those, like this is how we're going to do it and here's, you know, a through Z on how we're going to do this match that he could do it. And it could go well, but he, not a call it in the ring kind of guy.
0: No, I think that's a preference thing. Cause I think flair was just i I'm going to do what I like. I'm I, what I'm feeling is what we're going to do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how I was. It's two reasons. Number one, if you laid out a bunch of stuff in the back, I wasn't going to remember it. Um, and then number two, I wanted to be able to adjust because if we go out – just for a a basic example, if we go out to the ring and I'm on offense and I do, say, a a big chop off the second and the the audience is flipping out and screaming and going, do it again, but that's not in the script, guess what? I'm going to do it again because I'm still on offense. The audience loves it. Why would I not?
0: I feel like – I know I haven't been a worker, but I feel like you have to have – room for variance where it's like you're doing your plan match and the crowd isn't giving you anything. It's got to be like, okay, this isn't working. Like kick me in the balls and let's just go from there.
2: Yeah. You, you, you have to be able to mix it up if it doesn't work. That's, but you know, not everybody, not everybody can do that. Yeah. But I think, um,
0: Alvarez said, you've seen the video clip where he talks about how his trainer, buddy Wayne, like would not plan anything. Yeah. And it freaked him out. But he said that's when he finally learned is like working with Buddy and Buddy just calling everything. in And yes.
2: Ring. And then he they set him up to work with somebody else who made him call his own stuff. And that's when he had another big learning step.
0: Because I feel like I feel like it's like anything with that where sometimes you just have to have the baptism in fire, which is like just yep. throw you out there and be like, look, we're doing this in the ring because you're going to learn.
2: And you're going to suck at it for a while. That's that's the thing a lot of people don't want to face up to. You go out there and you do it, and your first your very first match, you're going to be spoon fed through it. There is no if ands or buts. <clears throat> then you're going to start getting better, but you're still going to have to suck for a while. That's just it's gonna happen. You're gonna go out there and whoever it is you're doing it for, because even if you're going out there and you're only doing it for the other folks at your training school, but you're going out there having a match, you've got to go and suck. okay? You, you're not, You can't go out there and just be like, oh, I'm good. It's like, no, you're going to go – you have to suck first before you start getting better. And then when you start getting better, that's great. You're learning, but you've got to be bad because you're learning what not to do.
0: You got need some of the you got yeah you got to learn not what not to do but also like I remember Big Show talked about his match with Hogan he's like I got him in the corner I didn't know what to do and Hogan like grabbed my arm and started selling like I was choking him and he's like oh then the wheels like started yeah turning
2: because you also this is gonna sound weird but you you don't think the same way when you're out there. As you do like in the back, you're like, oh, we'll do this. And if that happens, we can do this. You get out there and you've got the adrenaline dump going and you've got, um, you know, you're you're hyped up and you've got all this stimulus going on around you. Yeah, you're going to have it's going to be hard for you to think about it. And you've just got to get out there and do it and learn to think about it I feel- and learn to think under those conditions because you can't just say i'm going to do this you have to get practice and train in the situation to get better at it
0: i feel like too if you're too married to that concept that the crowd is always going to thwart you in some way because i feel like like i and now tell me if i'm wrong on this but like let's say you had a match completely completely planned out and let's say let's say you're halfway through and the crowd's kind of into it but someone cracks a funny and they all start laughing and you've totally lost them for something that wasn't in your control like, what do you do yeah. then? Like, do you just keep going at the match because you lost them? Do you, or do you need to, like, do you need to, like, reset and get their interest back?
2: Well, if if it was me and something happens, I would play into it a little bit and then bring the crowd back in. Because I don't want to – if I just straight up ignore them, I'm going to irritate them. If, some, if we're out there doing something and – here, I'll, I'll do this as an example. Brad, you and I are out there having a match i got to whip you in the corner and you're going to step up onto the ropes to do a like a into the corner. You're going to step up and come off with a springboard back elbow, right? You're going to step on the bottom, step on the second, and then come back with that back elbow. And you miss that first one and you slip and you fall with it. And the crowd's laughing. And I stand there and I kind of look at the crowd and I kind of shrug and I go over and pick you up and we go back into it. I've acknowledged what they've all said, but if I just kind of, try and keep going without that, they're going to feel annoyed because they're going to be like, Oh, you know, he's not, he's not paying attention. He's not with us. We're not. So,
0: well, I mean, if I was the heel in that situation, I told the crowd to shut up. Like once I got back up would that work too.
2: Yeah. Uh, you'd be embarrassed about it and pitch a fit. Absolutely. Cause that's... if you were the heel in that case, like you, you miss, you slip, you fall, you roll out of the ring and then you turn around and you go, shut up, shut up. You all shut up. You can't. And then, Yeah, of course they're going to enjoy that because the heel's getting some comeuppance.
0: That happened with AJ Styles in um, the King of Trios one year is he went for his springboard and he screwed it up the first time. Mm -hmm. Like, he totally blew the spot, but then he turned it into an angle where they won the tournament. So up until the very last match, every time he would go for it, something would blow up in his face and he would botch it. (laughs) And then he finally got it off in the final and the crowd popped huge for it.
2: Because AJ's... One of the best, but that's that's
0: but that's but but that's like using what happened though, like an improvising yeah, like
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, boy, we got way off. Yeah,
3: so we let's were. let's go to the.
2: <laughs> Hold on, I just want to add this. Go for it, uh, Matt. It, old school
3: like reviews. Yeah. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this match. Uh, let me look it up. A four point two five stars, which. That's, that's back when Meltzer, like, viewed things a certain way. Now, if this, like, this match had happened, like, today, Meltzer would have given it, like...
0: Eight and a half stars.
3: Eight,
2: yeah. No, he wouldn't have given it that many. It's not in the Tokyo Dome.
3: It doesn't, it doesn't involve Will Ospreay. And there it (laughs) is. Um, it, but he would have rated, like, he would have rated it higher than 4.25, I'm sure. Uh, old, everyone's favorite (laughs) old reviewer is, uh, Scott Keith. He gave us five stars. Yeah. Uh, which I won't hate on that because it's like, I don't know that I would rate it five stars. I'd probably rate it, uh, Four probably three rate it closer force. to like, I That's probably would idea. rate it, yeah, I'd probably rate it closer to like the Meltzer. It's like 4.25. But
0: But this has this has the trademarks of like what Meltzer liked in that era though.
3: Yeah, uh, but but uh, in his review, Scott Keith actually had a funny line. Yeah. He was he's being, he's being like absolutely serious with it. Uh, but he goes like, like this match is like the best thing Dust Rhodes will ever have the honor of having his name attached to, and it's like, ah, uh, no. Age poorly. <laughs> yeah, I that think there are better
0: tags all. like later in '92 with him than mm. this, but um, yeah, this is fabulous. So
2: it's yeah, I would put it if if I was gonna if I was gonna rate it, I'd say four and two thirds is right about where I'd put it myself.
0: So, so we're gonna go but. to the next thing that probably pissed me off the most for this show so we're gonna go to brian pillman defending the light heavyweight championship against johnny b bad and i have to say it is ridiculous they're claiming johnny b bad is light heavyweight
2: (laughs) yeah he is so much bigger than pillman here they're saying it's 10 pounds difference but it's it's not it's just not
0: no, and so this is actually now aside from that annoyance, I was shocked that this was actually kind of okay.
2: I mean, Pillman was good. Mark Marrow as Johnny B Bad was—he
0: was game okay. to hold up his end of the deal for this.
2: Yes, match. Mm-hmm. I think I think that his performance would mirror who he was in there with because. He, if he was in there with someone really good, it'd bring out really good And him. If he was in there with someone who was bad, he would not. But
0: He's athletic. He has enough pure athletic ability to keep up.
2: Also, I love that Ross and Shivani were selling his boxing career, his credentials, because, first of all, I didn't have to hear Ross talking about football again. But it was the fact that they were selling his boxing credentials and it making him a threat –
0: and they, it got it, um, it got past the dumb gimmick a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, Bad was still f- new because he was moving pretty slow on offense, but I thought this whole match was just like the first match on the card. This entire match was just a vehicle for the ending.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he turns on Peanut Head after
2: <laughs> <his> Peanut Head
0: <laughs> cost him the match. I I, I find that really apt because, but that's that's. Ross is really good at that stuff, I'm like, man, you shouldn't do that, because you. he says that the first time, and you start thinking about it like, you know, Teddy Long kind of does have a peanut head.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those where you're like, Jim, should you say that? Is that going to be offensive? And then you're like, it's not. It feels like it should be, but it's not.
0: <laughs> Cause it, but, but the problem is you can't unsee it, though, because then he comes out and like, oh, it's peanut head.
2: <laughs> he's good at finding oddly, oddly appropriately bad nicknames for heels
0: i wonder what made him i wonder what he did though because if you see like teddy long in 89 or 90 he he put on a lot of weight in a really short period of time i don't know do we ever did he ever have like a health scare or anything that got him to lose the weight again because like once he got out of wcw and like they started using him he had lost a considerable amount
2: i got nothing for you on that he's kept it off Yeah, Um, this match, there's a segment that was right around this match as well. That was uh, the um, it was a segment uh, with Paul Dangerously, but straight up, straight up name checking. Jim heard as part of it, but said, you know, there is a segment in the contract where it says um, the, uh, you know, on this page, if sting does not appear, he forfeits the title. Yes. And like they is, set that up
0: and he is technically correct. The best kind best
2: of correct. That's kind of correct. <laughs> is So like they went a long way to setting that up. And I appreciate the fact that they did because, I mean, they worked real, they went out of their way to set up stakes for the fact that sting wasn't at the show.
0: And, and mm. this, and Paul is such a douche here. He is great. Yeah. This is like peak Heyman. Like, this is better than what he's been doing, like with Brock and all that stuff. This is like him at his like heights. So now now we go to what I'm gonna say is the highlight of the evening. And this is this this angle coming up is exactly why I said this is what WWE has never given me in mm-hmm. the quantities I need. So so they come out and Paul's, you know, strutting his stuff with Rick Root saying, like, Okay, when that bell rings sting is sting is giving that title up and then you see this ambulance driving up and sting gets out and he's you know he's hurting real bad he goes in the wrong door and then all these other faces are out in the back and they're like ushering him in and like yeah. give him this giving him this um kind of escort in there his music starts playing and he and Rude just start going to town and the crowd is just going absolutely insane
3: yes this is going it is such a hot start it's it's really hot this this uh this whole thing is like it's really this is really more angle um but this they actually in my opinion had like a pretty decent match yeah it's only like four or five minutes long it was not a long match
0: but so then he he press slams rude his knee gives out so they go into it and he starts paroling but then Rude goes for the Rude Awakening, and Sting just powers out of it. And they're mm-hmm. doing their stuff, and he can't beat Sting. And Heyman has to hit him in the back of the head with the belt.
2: Yeah. Well, like, it's, with, it's with the phone, right? I thought it was he tried phone. it with the phone, and Sting kicked out of that. So I think he oh, had Sting right. he with did the kick belt. that's yeah. yeah. So Sting also, where they were talking about his knee, Sting's tights are actually cut above and below his knee, and he has a wrap on his knee. Uh-huh. Should they make, they yeah, they really did
3: a good job of like selling this.
2: Yeah, and it, Sting is doing so good. He's so good at being scrappy. Yeah, he's the champion, but he's being scrappy, and he's disadvantaged, and he's fighting from underneath, and working around the knee so well. It, selling of this was fantastic. Yeah, Sting losing here never hurt him.
0: And this That's is, the thing. This is how you bring someone into your company that you want to be a big-time player.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, Sting losing did not hurt him. He came in obviously disadvantaged. He was taken advantage of. Yes, he lost. But if you're going to say wins and losses don't matter, then I don't, you know, I don't care. This is an example of the loss not hurting him. This is like... It was great.
0: This is almost like the Black Knight and Monty Python, though, the way they had to beat him.
2: Yeah. (laughs) They just had to just clobber him it, it
0: reminds me event. of remember remember the first time jericho wrestled darby allen and he had him handcuffed and he was still stooging for him to the point where jack hager had to cheat to get him the win like that's yeah. what it reminds me of but the, yeah. the when they just come out and he starts brawling with rude like this is that is exactly the moment where i'm like this is why i love wcw and southern yeah. wrestling
2: this kind of thing that that pops the emotion so well is not something that that WWF could do the same way. Like for all of the WWF I've seen, they were not as good at doing this stuff as WCW was
0: because because just the, in general, because the production helps because it's gritty. And that like there's that viscer like you are like it gives you that visceral reaction.
2: It looks like it belongs when the camera cuts to Sting outside. The production value doesn't suddenly drop. It looks like it. belongs. he doesn't walk through the curtain into bright technicolor all of a sudden. It it all flows together. It looks like it's all part of one thing. Yeah.
0: And and then afterwards we get Rick Rude, Medusa and Paul Heyman doing a promo afterwards bragging about their win. And it is fantastic. (laughs) They're such dicks. They, oh it's so great though. This has mm-hmm. me so pumped for the Dangerous Alliance though because they are such just pricks.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great.
0: And so now we go to the main event. So this is this is Lex Luger defending against Rick Steiner. And um we're gonna get into Lex Luger a little bit. But so I really enjoyed this match because now if you if you watch this in tandem with the Ron Simmons match like the one thing Luger does here is he's really, he's really hesitant to get in close with Rick because he knows bad things will happen. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you watch it in tandem with the Simmons match, you're kind of like, Oh, you know, he remembers Simmons just slammed the crap out of him because he didn't respect him. And he's making yeah. sure that he's not doing that again. And it's, it's a lot like the Simmons match. He sells vulnerability really well. Um, he's really smart because when they all lose focus and like Scott comes in and, and messes with Mr. Hughes, he uses that chance. He just clocks Rick with the belt and pins him one, two, three, and he's out of there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't usually like this. I, well, I didn't like it about Jr. Like as years went on. Uh, but I did like his using uh, and bringing up the whole like collegiate background, both for Luger and for Rick Steiner. Uh, he he gives this whole little spiel about how like Lex Luger was a college athlete, but he focused on football. Rick was a college athlete, but he focused on like wrestling. Uh, and he like, kind of compares the two there, much like he did with Ron Simmons and uh, and Luger.
0: I also but like that, but he kind of ruined the gigs Like Rick Steiner had a 3.78 GPA, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, you
0: no, know, Rick's, Rick's like in real estate. Like he's actually a pretty. He's pretty bright.
3: Yeah, he is. I know, I know I'm making a disparaging thing actually in real life. It's just like the gimmick was that he was kind of like a dumb idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of cavemen. Yeah. Uh,
3: but this was a I. I prefer the Simmons match, but I did like this match. And I, I agree with you like it. This made me look at Luger in a different light. I, I, get, I didn't see really much of 91 Luger. But this made me look at it differently because he's—he's more of a smart. He's more of us. He—he is good, Uh, and he even made sure to subtly make sure that Rick got his shit in. Yeah. There's there's a segment there where they're like doing some moves, exchanges like that, and he sends he like sends uh I believe he sends Rick into the ropes, and then does. He looks like he's going to do like a leapfrog over Rick Steiner, which it's like, that's not, leaf frogs are not like Luger's forte. That's like, he does, but he did it. And of course he did it specifically set up the big Rick Steiner power slam that he does like catching dudes and then like, you know, slamming them down. And then uh, then Rick immediately gives him like a Steiner line.
0: He did like, um, Rick also did like a suplex out of the corner and Luger flew for that. Yeah, he did. But this is – t- But like I agree with you. I haven't seen a ton of 91 and 92 Luger, but I was like – I was like, wow, Luger is legit good, and I would actually argue at this point he is brushing greatness with his in-ring the, performances.
2: The thing in watching this that, that struck me is Luger's coming out there, and there's all this stuff you guys make – Luger sells big for his challengers. He take and it's part of it. it, Luger doesn't come to the ring all smiles and like play. He's like coming out there and he looks kind of reserved and he's kind of looking sideways at him because he's like, this guy wouldn't be a challenger if he didn't deserve to be here. So he takes every he's taking him seriously, and Rick just beats the piss out of him in this match. But Luger is cagey enough to keep surviving.
0: Well, like in like they
2: in the beginning
0: parts too, it's like, he doesn't want to lock up with him. He's like, okay, okay. If I get too close, he can take me down or he can just throw, he can just start su- suplexing the crap out of me. Like I have to, I, you know, like, well, okay. Like I kind of caught him off angle. Like I'm just going to clock him in the head and then we'll restart. Yeah. Like there, like you see the wheels turning, which I think you don't always see in like matches, but you can see like Luger's trying to parse out, how to get a hold of him without, like, getting Without Steiner. Getting caught. Yeah, without yeah. Steiner's shit happening.
2: With, yeah, without Steiner getting a hold on him, he's trying to figure out how to put damage to him. And the problem is that Rick starts getting a hold of him. And, um... It... It is so... It is, this is honestly a lot of fun to watch because Rick just gets a chance to go ballistic and be like, I belong on this level. And like you said with the end, Luger don't waste any time. When he gets his opportunity, he takes it. Um,
0: but I love so, I love how understated his cheating was, though, because it wasn't this big production. Like, shit just starts breaking down. He's like, OK, smack, pin, I'm out of here.
2: Yeah, yeah. he He is... He takes Rick seriously enough that after the shot, he does the pin and he ditches the belt, does the pin immediately and gets out because he's like, I'm taking no chances.
0: What, what I like about it, though, is the way he does it. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. Like, this is all about getting the win. It's not like the WWE thing where they have to like they would do that. They twirl their mustache and then like
2: they wait. stand up. They put their hands out to their side. They open their mouth real big and their eyes real big. And then they turn real slowly to the hard cam.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's just like, and, he's just like done. I've been, you know, it's like, it's like the difference between those guys that like hit the end zone and football and they just put the foot, they just hand the football to the ref. Cause like, yeah, I've been here before.
2: Yeah. I know what this is about. I know what's important. I'm not going to burn a bunch of extra energy, like high step in here for a minute.
0: Yeah. So. It's all about business. Yeah. He and then he can showboat when he leaves, but like it's like once that bell rings, it's it's a. He takes
2: it seriously. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, what do we think of this show?
0: Uh, Matt, (laughs) why don't you you want to start?
3: Um, it's tough because I would say outside of the tag uh the rude sting angle and the main it's just kind of like a bear show there's like nothing spectacular about it but it's inoffensive it's it's kind of like nowadays if you compare it to like modern day stuff it's almost like it's just like a really good episode of dynamite yeah Mm -hmm. um but i think there's enough like the the tag match is like fantastic the main event, while not as good, I feel as the Simmons and Luger. Uh, I did think that it was a pretty good match, uh, and the, the the whole like angle with Rude and Sting, uh, leading to the match, we're still in, like, match which is only like a five minute match, but it's actually like pretty decent,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and good performances by Sting in that match. It's like still like he did, they didn't make him look kind of dopey uh, going into it, but like it is, it is a way to kind of set up. Like the, the formation of the, the Dangerous Alliance. I think those three things are enough to make me give it like a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like a strong, like, oh my God, you guys have to watch this show. It's like you can watch this show, but like watch like those three parts and you can just skip or fast forward everything else. But that, those three things the tag, the main, and the uh, rude sting angle slash match they're all pretty pretty good to entertaining at least so i would that's what my i was thumbs up for those three things alone
2: but the rest is kind of skippable so it's um, skippable but i would say that it's not like offensively bad
0: no if that no, makes sense
2: so if you do want to sit through it it it's okay it's not great but it's okay
0: you'll be entertained yeah you won't come away thinking you waste your yeah. time because so I, yeah, went there in, is, there I went in and I thought the show was going to suck. Like I looked at the card. I'm like, Oh God, like there's a couple of good things, but it's going to be, it's going to be like sparse. And like, I saw that Rick Reed and sting was so short and I was a little perplexed by it. So I had like really bad expectations and it exceeded that a lot. And I was saying yeah. pretty early on, like, I think this is like, I think I'd give this thumbs in the middle and I think I'm going to stick to thumbs in the middle with a very, very mild thumbs up for it. Like, I think there's worse things you could do, um, with two hours. If you're going to watch wrestling, than watch the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the good stuff is really good. And I would say it's, it's worth sitting through some mediocre stuff to Nothing, get to it.
0: Nothing's outright terrible.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I'd say yeah, I'll give it a I would give it a thumbs up, um No like a mild thumbs up, because the good stuff's really good but it's not a top to bottom great card. It'd be like it's, th- it's,
0: it's like the lowest percentage you could get on Rotten Tomatoes and be fresh is what I would give this show. <laughs> like a 60%, You know what, yeah.
2: I'm good with that. I'm I'm yeah. good with that, yeah. So, like a sixty
0: to sixty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes is what I'd give it. If that's in the certified fresh range.
2: Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Uh, I'm good with that answer.
0: It's like it's like going in like when you're in school and you thought you're gonna totally fail this test and you got like straight up C and you were like, you're like, whoo, I, uh, I dodged that one. Yeah, like where you you know and another test you might be upset you had a C but like. Hey, I you know, I pulled that one out of my butt, so that's kind of how I feel about this show
2: yeah, that that I can agree with that so so yeah, uh, the recommendation all around it seems like
0: yeah, now uh, now there was an advertisement for it, and I've looked at the card. Um, so up next we have <laughs> we have Starcade the Battle Bowl, and I'm not that's gonna suck i I cannot see how that show is gonna be good.
2: Yeah, that ad was in there.
0: And I've looked at the card for that and it's just it's bad. I think there's like a billion matches on that show too.
2: Deep sigh.
0: Yeah, so I think it, I think ninety two though, most of the stuff's pretty good. Mm-hmm.
2: Um Well yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's um, will be staring down the barrel of that one.
0: <laughs> there's eleven matches.
2: Oh God.
0: Because I think they do. They do like a lottery for the team, So not, there's no, no none of the tag teams like stay together, and um, then okay. they the winners all go into the battle bowl.
3: Looking at it like, did I'm just confused. Right. Like. They, did they get not gimmick the... I mean, they had to. It's like, it's predetermined you,
0: you should have at least had one tag team stay together.
3: Well, I, I, let me rephrase that. Like, you gimmick, like, who won, but you can't, like, gimmick it where it's like you pick the teams that you put together. Yeah. Because who won some of these, or some of these... It's like it's not going to be good <laughs> yeah Simon. yeah you
0: know seeing his name reminded me during the lumberjack match but the ongoing drama of buddy lee parker and his book of tickets like was hilarious <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know looking at stuff through like 19 uh, 2022 eyes like if it ironically unironically i guess i should say i had it backwards like unironically like if sergeant buddy Lee parker was like, a gimmick today like he'd be massively on the indie scene, yeah. Like, I mean, the 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 pizza dude, Primo Luigi Primo or something like that. Like, he's appeared on Dynamite. Like, and his gimmick is just like he's the pizza guy. Like, it he, you know, he's becoming
2: like a thing. So I don't know. Like he, he he was, and then he wasn't. Um, but. Oh, and yeah, Shad, that could have been bigger.
0: You'll be sad to know that there was supposed to be a Richard Morton versus Arachnaman match on Clash that got cut.
2: Oh, my disappointment is palpable.
0: But it's, it's Brad Armstrong versus Richard Morton. Like, what's not the?
2: Oh. Ar- oh, Arachnaman! I misunderstood what you were saying. That, yeah, yeah. Ricky Morton versus the gimmick infringer or the copyright infringer would have been a good match. He's like
0: Brad Armstrong I, is like fresh off of Bad Street too. <laughs> did he wear a mask as Bad Street? I think he did.
3: He did. Okay. Because I mean, he if you saw him, like you would know it's Brad Armstrong. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, you could still tell Do you, he
3: was Bad Street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it for this one. Unless you guys had any parting thoughts you wanted to get out before we close it down.
0: No, I'm good. Um, Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised.
2: Yeah. Same. All right. Well, everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode for, and if you want to find it more easily, this is clash of the champions 17. Uh, thank you for joining us for this one. We'd love to hear from you on social media. Uh, if you got requests, we'd love to hear them. Uh, and so, With all of that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.